We've looked at Jonah and the whale. We've looked at uh, David and Goliath. And who else have we looked at? Daniel and the lion's den. I want us to go to another story. Uh, so you're going to look at two passages this morning. But the first one I want you to turn to is in uh, the book of uh, 2 Timothy. All right. And then we're going to go to an Old Testament passage and look at another Old Testament story that defines our big God uh, and how he moves in our lives. In the uh, fourth chapter of the second letter to the church or to uh, Timothy, beginning of verse seven, here's what the Apostle Paul says to the young man. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. We're in the last days that the Bible speaks about, the, the final times in preparation for the event, the second advent of Jesus Christ. The first advent we'll be celebrating again very soon as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But there's a second advent the Bible talks about. He's coming again. And ever since his leaving, when he ascended into heaven uh, on the mount, from that time until now, we've been looking forward to that event. And we are closer now to that event than we have ever been since Jesus left this planet. Does that make you at all happy? Yeah. <laughs> Forget about what's going on in the world. Forget about all of the negativity that we see around us. The most positive thing that we have to hold on to is the hope of resurrection in Jesus Christ. And he's already done that. Amen. He's already been resurrected and now he's just waiting until that moment. When the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with all of them in the clouds and there we shall meet the Lord and the Bible says we shall ever be with the Lord. That's what we have to look forward to. So why should death bother us? Okay, that's not why I'm here to preach this morning. But it's still the truth. So we're in these last days. And unfortunately, we can get caught up in things and we can get distracted by things. We can even get distracted because of our service to the church and service to the Lord. Preachers can get distracted from the call that God has given them. We all can be distracted and diverted from the call that God has put in our life. And here when Paul, or when Paul tells young Timothy, I've finished the course... I've completed my, my responsibilities, and now there's laid up for me in heaven a crown of righteousness. And that crown of righteousness isn't just for me, it's for all those who love his appearing. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're talking about in these last days. We're looking for his appearing. And we need to be looking because it's going to happen any day. It could happen before the day's over. He could come back. Things go quickly anymore. 
It doesn't take a long time. Everything that's going on in the world we have right in our hand all the time. Someone once said, how in the world is the whole world going to see the two prophets that are going to be going to killed and lay in the streets of Jerusalem? I think this is how we'll do it. And even the most poor of the poor have these. In the most isolated places in the world, they have these. You can go to Africa and you can drive out in the, in the wilderness in Africa where all there are are huts. And while you're driving by, you see these fluorescent lights coming out. What's that? Laptops. You think I'm kidding you. I'm not. True. So we're in the last days. But again, we still get distracted. And we can get caught up. And we can get diverted. And we can miss out. And we can be desensitized to hear the voice of God. All right. Now, Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 19. Story of Elijah, the great prophet of the northern kingdom. He's alive and he's doing his ministry during a time when there, were, uh, there was a king of the northern kingdom by the name of Ahab. And his wife actually got more attention. She gets more attention today than ever. His wife's name was Jezebel. And they were ruling the northern kingdom. In all the history of the split between the, the, uh, the kingdom of Israel, north and south, never ever was there in the northern kingdom a spiritual king. A king that was after, after God and attempted to bring revival. Never had it. The southern kingdom, there were a handful of uh, kings uh, that, that led revival. Uh, one of the great revivals in the southern kingdom was led by a young man who became king when he was only eight years of age. That would go places today, wouldn't it? <laughs> On your ballot, November 6th is Senator John, who is six or seven or eight years old. How many vote for that one? All right. 19, have you found it? First Kings? I'd love to read the whole chapter, but we don't have time to do that. Your outline gives you uh, seven points that all begin with the, the letter S. We're talking about a big God with a small voice. And that story is found here in this chapter where Elijah, who has just uh, done a demonstration of the power of God, where he defeated a number of prophets several hundred prophets, and in the end, slays all of those prophets. These prophets believed that their God was greater than the God of Israel, than Elijah's God. And Elijah made it as tough as he could make it. And when it came time for Elijah to call upon the God of heaven, God of heaven responded. The big God did a big thing. He not only consumed the offering the sacrifice that was put on the altar, but he consumed the stones on the altar. He consumed the water that had drenched the sacrifice and had made a trough around the altar. All of the water was taken up. Everything was consumed by this God who answered from heaven by fire. 
scared these prophets to death, troubled Ahab and Jezebel. This same prophet is the, the prophet Elijah, who then turned and put a, a, uh, a, a, a command of God that he put upon the whole nation that for three years it didn't rain. And after this incident, this same prophet is the one who says now to his servant, go look. And he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand, and it got bigger and bigger until when it finally showed up, it rained. So Elijah's the prophet that said, it's not going to rain for three years, and it didn't rain for three years. And the prophet that said, it's going to rain, and it rained. Amen. He had a hold of God. And then Jezebel, when she heard about what he'd done to her prophets... She put the word out, as God is my witness, she says, tomorrow the same thing that happened to those prophets is going to happen to that prophet. He's going to die. So here's this great man of God who serves a big God that does some big things for him. All it took was one person and their one word to scare him to death. And he took off running and he ran away and he ran as far as Mount Horeb. Is it sometimes just, it takes just one thing to mess you up? May I suggest it can only take one stupid thing to mess you up? You've heard God, you've heard the big God. I appreciate what, what Brother Daniel said this morning when he talked about putting himself into the Scripture. There's not a passage in this Bible that we shouldn't put ourselves into it. Put yourself into Elijah's place this morning. God's done some great things for you. Everyone, if we took the time, we'd be here the rest of the day just to let you testify to the things that God has done that have been big things in your life. Amen. And yet, like putting myself into the picture this morning, putting myself into the scripture in the passage, I, like Elijah, can get hung up and get distracted and think, why is me? Woe is me. I'm the only one serving God. I'm the only one doing the spiritual stuff. Everybody else is screwed up and messed up, and they're not following. It's just me, and I'm getting tired of it. I'm tired of always pouring out and always being the one to believe God. God, just take me. Kill me. Take me home. <clears throat> now, I know you've not been that far, but we've all been discouraged. We've all been depressed, and most of our depression uh, is our own fault. I lost some of you on that. We, we, it comes to us by other people, but we let it take control, and we let it, we let it do something in us. If you've never preached, you don't understand what's going on right now. But I'm, I've got a million stories that I could tell where people hurt me. People did things that, that when they did it, whether they did it on purpose, it really stuck me. And I lost sleep over it. I got discouraged. I let it bother me. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Okay, three. Thank you. <laughs> And you get distracted. You get misdirected. You're not in the way that God wants you to go. But he kind of lets you do it. Like he did Elijah. He let Elijah go all the way to Horeb. And what was the question God asked him there? 
He said to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? How many think that's a spiritual question? That's a great, Brother Bruce, that's a theological question, isn't it? What are you doing here? Well, uh, somebody put a hex on me. All the witches got together and they're on COVID and they're trying to put a hex. Do you know that's going on right now? How many are aware that there was a meeting across the nation of witches this week, Friday, and their purpose was to put a hex on the new uh, justice? And their purpose in the hex is to make them miserable, to make anything evil that could happen, happen. That's what they're, that's what they're praying for. And Elijah got a hex. And all it took was one person. I didn't say a woman. I just said one person. Okay. And he goes out to Mount Horeb. Oh, just let me die. He goes on, gets under a broom tree. And he lays there. and thinks, oh, I'm the only one. God, kill me. God says, you know, the problem is, you, you, I'm going to ask you the question, but you won't hear me because you're so distracted. And the problem is you're too tired, you're too hungry, you're too worn out. When we get too tired and too hungry and too worn out, we get desensitized and we can't even hear God. All right? All right, seven things. You ready? They all begin with the letter S. Be easy to remember. Here's the first one. If you're going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, what he's called you to do, here's the seven things you need. Number one, you ready? Sleep. Sometimes the most godly thing, the most spiritual thing that you can ever do is just Take your clothes off, put your pajamas on, get in bed, pull them up, turn the lights out, and go to sleep. And us older folks really love that. Nap. Take a three-hour nap. Relax. I find it a little easier to do. Take a nap, you know. Rest. We got to rest. And the problem is we don't know how to rest, not, not only physically, but we don't know how to rest spiritually. And it applies here. Look, it says that he fell asleep. And, what, and, and how did he wake up? An angel shook him on the shoulder and woke him up. And why was the purpose to wake up? So he could prepare a great sermon? Woke up in the middle of the night to have a great sermon. No, he woke up up in the middle of the night to eat. And he got up and ate food that was prepared by angels. And drank some water. And then what did he do? Go off and praise. No, he went back to bed. And slept again. And got woke up again and ate some more and drank some more. And then the Bible says he went for 40 days on that. Now, I'm not suggesting that we ought to go from fast to fast. But I am suggesting that most of us aren't hearing from God and aren't getting anything from God is because we're too tired. Elijah was too worn out. Look what he had just done. What had just happened in his life. He was physically 
tired. And when we're physically tired, we're also spiritually tired. We need to rest. God help us to sleep. Secondly, what did he do? Not only did he sleep, but he ate. If we're going to accomplish what God has called us to do, we need his sustenance. We need to be sustained, and that is we need to eat. Now, I'm not here talking about physical food, and I could say a whole lot about that on balance. I'm talking about spiritual balance. The Word of God, eating this Word, being filled up, being the nutrition that's from the Word. You say, well, how, uh, you know, I, I, I do that. I, I read the Word once a week. How many of you eat once a week? How many of you breathe once a day? How much word do we need? Well, if we eat three times a day, I would think there ought to be at least three times a day we're reading the word or hearing the word. Is that all right? Without it, we're not sustained. You will not be sustained. You'll be distracted. Number three, where did he go? Where was he when, when all this started? He was in a secluded place. Most of us have no idea what to do with seclusion. Most of us couldn't go into seclusion because there's no wireless. <laughs> I told the group last night, yeah, we, we take our, our phones because we got our Bibles on there now. And of course, when I have my Bible on my phone, I never get distracted. You know, I'm reading my Bible on my phone. I never want to go to Facebook or I never want to go to Twitter. I never want to go to Instagram while I'm doing that. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Seclusion, a quiet place where there's no distraction. God help us when we fast to know we have to fast spiritually too. We have to uh, take things away, get things away that will distract us and get quiet with God. Not so that we can talk, but so we can listen. And in this moment, this is when God begins to speak to him. And and now Elijah has to become that God is, is with him. Now remember, he goes into this situation. He doesn't think God's there. He thinks he's the only one serving God. He doesn't know that God's got 7,000 others that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. He, he doesn't know about that. All he thinks is he's the only one. Isn't it interesting that most of the time, in most of our lives, particularly when we're, we're distracted and we start blaming other people for our place, even in blaming others, we're really talking about ourselves. It's all about us. If we could hear what we were saying we would hear that it's all about us. At least that's when I'm praying. You know, I find too often when I'm praying, I'm, I'm talking about me. And God wants to talk to me about him. God wants me to hear from him. A lot of praying shouldn't be us talking. A lot of our prayer ought to be us listening. What is God saying to us? So being sensitive, that's number four. Sensitivity, aware that the Lord is with you. And here's what happened. Big God, right? He'd done this big thing with, with Elijah. So he has him get up and go outside the cave at Mount Horeb and walk outside. And he says, God's going to pass by. 
and this huge hurricane of a wind comes. It is so strong that this wind begins to break up the rocks. And the wind subsides and then a great earthquake comes and shakes everything loose. Strong and powerful and mighty and fearful. And then a fire comes and begins to destroy everything. And the Bible states all three times, God wasn't in the wind, God wasn't in the earthquake, and God wasn't in the fire. So hear me today. Just because there's fire doesn't mean God's there. So I want to go to a church where there's fire. Well, be careful, you might get burned. And then the Bible says a quiet whisper in the message Bible says came by. And that was God's voice. In the New King James, it says a still, small voice. The big God, in this case, had a small voice. It was a whisper. It was a little whisper. And what happens when people whisper? What do we do? Let me turn it up. And God whispered. And then he asked him the question again, the second time. He says, what are you doing here? And what was his answer? He gave him the same answer. After all of that powerful, mag majestic stuff, he gave him the same answer. Well, I'm here because I was serving you, and blah, blah, blah. People trying to kill me, and I'm afraid, and blah, blah, blah. And then God spoke to him. Now, he was at least... Uh, away from the distractions, he'd been secluded, he'd been fed, he'd done some sleeping. So now the whisper, he is hearing the whisper, he hears the question, and then he hears God's direction. And that's the number five. God gave him direction, and the direction was he sent him back. He sent him back. He said, Elijah, go back the way you came. What's my word? Turn around, go back. Amen. We've always heard, go forward. The still small voice said, go back. All right, you ready? Number six. Sight. If we're going to accomplish what God wants us to do, we have to get enough sleep. We have to get enough to eat. We have to be secluded enough that we're hearing from God and becoming more sensitive to Him. And then God will speak, and normally God gives us direction. Being sent. And with the being sent, God wants us to see what He sees. To have sight to see the way God sees. You see, God, God said, Elijah, there were some things for you on the way that you missed. That I wanted you to see. Some important things that I wanted you to see. And so Elijah returns. He goes back and he does what God tells him to do. And one of the last things that happens before he turns around and goes forward again. Is he runs into a young man by the name of Elisha. May I suggest something to us this morning? In all the things that have happened in 47 years in the fellowship of CMI Global, 
There remains today not one thing that was ever physically built that, that has a flag on it that says this is CMI. All of the facilities, all of the buildings, all of the marvelous things that man builds, thinking, and, and oftentimes it's God's will that it be built. But too often we think the purpose of the building is to put a name on it. And it's a testimony. It's a legacy. May I suggest the legacy is never in buildings? It's not in what we do. It's in who we touch. Because the thing that remains today after the, the death and the departure of our founder now 13 years is CMI Global. CMI is the legacy of Bishop Paul E. Pano. It's people. The people that he poured into. The Timothys that he poured into. The Elishas that he poured into. May I suggest to you, those of us who are still in this room and we're still breathing, I don't care whether you're young or you're old, the purpose that God has for us is to pour into others. That's why the, the command is to go and what? Not make buildings. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that this building shouldn't be here. Please hear me. We need facilities like this to accomplish. But this isn't the purpose. This isn't the end result. If we all walked out of this building and it set vacant, how many know after a few years it's going to deteriorate? It, we need people. It's you and me. It's others that we pour into. That's why it says go and make disciples. And discipleship means mentoring. And the most important thing that Elijah ever did was to mentor Elisha. And Elisha knew how important the mentoring was because he refused to ever leave Elijah because he wanted the double portion. And we all know he got it. He was there when he departed. The mantle fell on him. And if you add up the miracles that were accomplished in Elijah's life, and you add up the miracles that were accomplished in Elisha's life, guess what? It's double. Whatever the number was for Elijah, multiply it by, by two, and that's how many miracles happened in Elisha's life. And I ask us this morning, how many Elishas are there in your life? And that's the final thing. Sons and daughters in the faith. Are you pouring in? Are you mentoring? Are you discipling? Are you giving yourself to others? How about your grandchildren? How about your sons and your daughters? How about other young men and young women that don't have grandfathers and grandmothers and fathers and mothers? Say, I, I, I can't do that. I'm too old. Fiddlesticks. You're never too old. Young people today want to hear from old people. What they don't want to hear is what's all wrong with them. What they want is direction. What they want, and this is what God had to do in Elijah. First, he had to take him back and say, now look what I see. He had walked by Elisha. He never saw Elisha until he went back and saw something different. And what was the difference? He saw it the way God saw it. God, give me vision. Let me see it the way you see it. <laughs> Lord, thank you for being a big God. Man, you're the God of the wind. You're the God of the fire. You're the God of the earthquake. And God, you speak to us. And so often, it's just a whisper. We want to hear. We want to have ears. We want to be sensitive. 
So do that to us today, Lord, as we put ourselves in Elijah's place. Speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to get the right amount of spiritual rest and the food that you want to feed us and to find the place that we can be no longer distracted and we can be in seclusion with you to make us more sensitive to the presence and to the power and to the word of God. Lord, then help us to be sensitive to know the direction that you have for us and to go in it and to have the vision and the sight that you see, to look at it the way you look at it, to see it through your eyes. And to realize that all around us are sons and daughters that we need to reach out to. We need to pour into. We need to have impact. We need to influence their lives. Show us, Lord, and give us eyes, we pray. In Jesus' name. All right. I'm dismissing you. And I'm going to ask the elders and their wives to come forward and be here available. If there's something that God has spoken to you about in your life and you need to come and you need to have prayer, they're here to do that with you, all right? God bless you. Now keep your eyes open this week and make your ears. Tune them up. Tune them in. God bless.